The church has traditionally argued that the fifth commandment applies not only to the duties of children to parents, but beyond that, to the duty of citizens to the magistrates. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the civil ramifications of honor your father and your mother. Stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. We're continuing on in our series on the Fifth Commandment. Uh, joining us on our discussion, as usual, is Reverend Adam Kalushin from Ontario United Reformed Church and Reverend Moses Janbazian from Pasadena URC. And I'm John Sautel, pastor at All Saints Reformed Church out in Walnut, California. We said that we wanted to talk about uh, the applications of the Fifth Commandment, particularly in the area of duties of children to their parents, how long are they responsible to obey this command of honor your father and your mother, and of course as soon as you start talking about that, uh, you will eventually be uh, led into the discussion of Social Security. So we're trying to show that there's an interconnection between the length of time you honor your father and your mother and what ways that might uh, be applied. We need to make an important distinction between the principle of how long we ought to honor our parents and the application of that principle, which is obviously quite a bit more complex. I think the principle is that there is no biblical indication that our responsibility to honor our parents stops just because they're getting older. We see clear disobedience to this principle in a number of ways. Like we had mentioned just briefly on the previous show, people neglect their elders. People neglect their parents when they get advanced in age. They don't care anymore whether or not they are comfortable, whether or not they are supposed to be able to live out their life in some sort of peace and dignity. We shut them off, we put them away, and we don't consider them anymore. We don't visit them, what have you. And that is unacceptable. The, the tricky part is, what is the proper way of applying <laughs> honoring your parents when they get advanced in age? Well, we need to consider what it means that we have this lifelong relationship that God has given of parent and child. And, of course, it is modified when we become adults ourselves, when we start making decisions, and especially when we get married because God says we are to leave our mother and father and cleave to our wife. So there's obviously going to be a change in the relationship. But does that mean that we abandon the fifth commandment and no longer honor and respect them? And of course, it does not do that. It never gives us a terminus. Rather, we continue honoring them. And especially as they become more frail and more in need, then your obligations actually increase. Okay, so the way in which we're going to honor them is going to change. What kind of tangible, concrete ways is this going to change as you grow older and they grow older. Well, you see this cycle that's been built into creation by God. God gives parents children. Children in their younger years, before they're out on their own, as they're growing, maturing, and as they're becoming physically stronger, they are in need of the parents to provide for them financially, to protect them physically, and the rest of it. Then there grows into a time 
where the man or the woman charts out on their own, they have their own family, and they begin to be sort of on par with their own parents. They're each both still making a living and providing for themselves now. But then as time goes on, the parents age, and they become weak, and they become the ones who are not able to make an income, and they are having a difficult time. They need the protection now of the adult children. So you have that cycle built in where it basically should be left to the families to responsibly, the parents first raising the children, and then the parents become weak, and the children then begin to take care of their parents when they need to be protected and provided for. Okay, but right now in our contemporary climate, it seems as if that responsibility is being abdicated and pushed off onto, let's say, the government. Yeah, and I think this is a very unchristian way of handling it. And quite frankly, if you look at the philosophy behind how we do things today, it is very unchristian. It's based on the teachings of Marx and Engels where this idea that we should eliminate the family and rather give all glory and all power to society and the state. And so really a lot of Christians are in this unfortunate mindset because we haven't thought through the importance of and the proper obedience to this commandment of God that we are to honor mother and father. Okay, well, one of the obvious, one of the applications of that is, is the whole Social Security program as we know it today. And I know that many Christians will argue that it is absolutely uh, a bounden duty of, of us to continue to perpetuate this system of Social Security because we are entering, it, entering into covenant with the government to help us take care of our our parents and grandparents, so we're duty-bound then to pay Social Security taxes. Let me just tell you, as pastors of churches that have elderly people in them, we see the condition of elderly people living under the so-called provision of the Social Security system. We see parents of children, the children who live with their families at a very high standard of living, we go visit their parents that are in these homes run by the state, run by the Social Security system. It's just absolutely deplorable conditions. And so we have two things going on here, I would say. One thing is that the children have just neglected their basic responsibility for the care and the honor and the nurture of the adult children. The other thing is that we've just thought, okay, we can hand over the duty to care for our parents to the state when they're in their weakest and most vulnerable, needy uh, part of life. Yeah, and and it's certainly a mindset that is fostered by a government program. We come back after the break. We're going to continue to talk some of the ramifications here of this fifth commandment in the civil realm. Stay tuned with us on Sinners and Saints. This is Sinners and Saints, theology with an edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. There is no greater joy in the Christian's life than to worship God according to his word, and there is nowhere better in the San Gabriel Valley to do this than at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. So come join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. and at 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in Arcadia. You can call us at 866-99-UNITED or look us up on the web at sinnersaint.org. Welcome back after the break here on Sinners and Saints. We're talking through the Fifth Commandment, particularly its civil ramifications and applications. One of them certainly does bear upon the issue of the care 
of our elderly parents and our long-term responsibilities towards them. I want to throw a text into the mix here and, and just talk a moment about its bearing on this issue of honoring our father and mother, especially in their elderly years. Jesus says, but you say if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God no effect through your tradition which you have handed down, and many such things you do. This text is clearly uh, being used, or, or Jesus is, is attacking people who are not taking care of their father and mother because they're trying to say, well, I can't do it because I've given uh, my money and deposited in trust, and therefore I can't break into that, so uh, I'm not responsible to honor my father and my mother in the monetary way in which I should be. Yeah, Jesus is speaking of uh, the human tradition there regarding the law and how the Pharisees misused it. But this particular example is really an interesting one that he's taken because he's telling them that you cannot negate the law of God and the law of God says that you as children are to honor your parents. And so he is speaking to adults. Pharisees are men who have grown to the age of majority. They are usually married and have families. And now he's telling them that you still have a continuing obligation to your parents and you are to take care of them. And so... Here you have Jesus telling us that this particular law does not end, that your duties and responsibilities continue. And so we need to say that it is our duty as believers, not simply to say that, you know, we know the doctrines of grace and we go to the right church, but rather that there is a practical application in our sanctification that we do love, honor, cherish, take care of our parents and show to them the respect due to the fact that God made them our parents rather than the other way around. He chose when we would be born and to whom, and that duty remains. So the point is, you can't say, well, I've made my prescribed deposit to, say, the Social Security system, and therefore I should expect that my parents are honored, and that, that's where my duty ends. Now, it may, if your parents are in a condition where they have enough money to live comfortably and to enjoy the good creation and to be protected and whatnot, but it may not. You may have to rise to the defense of your parents and provide for them as you would provide, say, for your own little children in order to show them the honor that they deserve because they took care of you in your weakness in the years that you were being raised. Plus, as a believer, you're always called to be humble before others. You're always called to be self-sacrificial in how you do things, loving, forgiving, and so all these things still are bound up in this one commandment. And so we have to know that we have a duty that we are to take care of our parents and never to say, oh, well, it's the responsibility of others. Sure, there might be special items that others can do. Like if my mom breaks her leg, I can't fix it. I have to take her to a surgeon. But nonetheless, I have an obligation to be sure that she is provided for in these things and that during these times, she nonetheless experiences and recognizes that I am honoring and loving her this whole time. Well, certainly the fifth commandment here has this broader application then of, of long-term care for the elderly and not just casting this over to the federal government, allowing them and their social programs to care for them. There are other civil ramifications here of this commandment too. I'm looking at the catechism here, the Heidelberg saying, uh, that the commandment requires that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all in authority over me. A traditional Reformation way of applying this commandment is to see that it's not just referring to the duty of parents towards their children in terms of submitting and obeying and honoring and respecting them, but it's your duty and responsibility as a citizen to the magistrate 
And I guess one of the questions would come in here is what lawful authority is given to the magistrates and what lawful responsibility is upon me as a citizen towards the government? Well, let me just, I think it's important for us to defend that idea, first of all, John, because some people will read this commandment and say all it pertains to is the relationship within the family. But let me tell you why we historically have seen this relate to any kind of authority that is lawfully appointed in the world, that we as subjects of that authority, whether it be you know, in the church, as members of church submitting to church authority and the pastors and elders, or whether it means as citizens submitting to a, a lawful government, we see all of that in this commandment also because, number one, this commandment is the first commandment in the second table of the law. It has a a primary place, and as is customary with the commandments, and you've seen this with the first four, it will give one specific application, but lying behind it is a broader principle. So we saw that with worship. God said, don't make idols. Well, he wasn't only concerned with don't make idols in that commandment, but he was saying, don't worship me in any way which I have not commanded. In the same way here, the specific command is honor your father and mother. But what lies behind it is God has instituted authority in the world and for our benefit and for his glory, we must submit to it. So we see church authority, we obey it as members. Um, governmental authority, we obey it as citizens. Authority in the workplace, we obey it as their workers. This is all part of this commandment. So the tricky thing comes in here, I guess this is what I, we got to figure out and talk through a little bit, is what is the scope of this authority? What is the range of the obedience which we're required to give to those who are in authority? And this is a very practical question because if you work in a workplace, you have a boss. What, are you, what kind of authority does he have and what kind of responsibility uh, and submission obedience do you owe to him? You can go on down the line in terms of application. This is a very important question. So we want you to stay tuned with us after the break as we enter into some of the practical applications of this command in their broader relationships in life. Stay tuned with us on Sinners and Saints. Americans are known for their independence and self-reliance. We take little stock in other people's opinions. Americans want to examine and form our own conclusions about everything, and if something isn't to our liking, we'll fix it. These characteristics have served us well in casting off monarchies and taming the wild frontier. But are they really the best qualities for building Christ's church? At Grace Evangelical Church, we think one thing our culture doesn't need to reinvent are the tried and tested truths of Orthodox Christianity. We take delight in the faith of our fathers, in the biblical truths captured by the three forms of unity. We believe the truths of the Reformation gospel of justification by faith alone are the only solution for the multitude of problems that face America today. We invite you to come worship with us at Grace Evangelical Church. For more information, you may contact us at area code 310-782-7019. That's 310-782-7019. All right, back here after the break on Sinners and Saints, dealing with the applications of the Fifth Commandment in their broader spheres now. We asked the question, well, what is the range of this uh, duty or responsibility inherent in this commandment here that we are to be in subjection to those who are in authority over us? Well, one of the important things to remember about this commandment is that this does not authorize any authority that is God-appointed to do whatever they want and demand everybody that is their subject to do whatever. Basically, the authorities may only speak, may only demand things of their subjects 
within the realm that they have been authorized by God. I mean, this is true in any of these things that we're talking about. Think about members of a church to the elders and pastors. The pastors and elders may not demand things of the congregation that the Lord has not given them the authority to demand. And we see this in scripture in several ways. One, Jesus says that obeying him is going to bring a sword into the family. And so he recognizes that there may be times that you as the believer may have to go against your parents' wishes to stay with the old religion. So that means you may have to reject Judaism or Buddhism or Hinduism and instead embrace Christ and what Christ promises. It might mean that you have to disobey the civil magistrate as the two midwives did during the time of Pharaoh, as Paul did when there was an arrest warrant out on him and he was lowered out the window um, of the wall in the city of Damascus. So it's not an absolute command that whoever is an authority says whatever and you have to obey it, but it has to be done in light of the fact that your primary allegiance is to God and his glory and to obey all things that are honoring to him. Now, some of you are going to say, well, man, it sounds like you're giving a lot of authority to a lot of people who are really not included in this fifth commandment. And it's important to come back to revisit the principle a moment. Uh, what we're saying is, included under this category of honoring father and mother are the is the basic principle of submission to authority now it's true that your boss does not have the same amount of authority over you for instance as your mother or your father did you don't have the same responsibilities and duties towards them to care for them in their elderly uh, advanced years but the principle still holds true that even at work I know it's a job that you freely take on you can quit whenever you want but as long as you are there you are subject to the authority of your boss. And one of the things that you need to do is to stop talking badly about your boss behind his back. If he asks you to do something, you go ahead and do it. You don't go ahead and then grumble to all your coworkers and say, man, what a jerk I work for. You don't do that. You respect the authority given that position. You leave it there. Maybe if you don't like it. Yeah, and that also means that you provide the work that he is contracting you for. So if he pays you, you've agreed to that pay. You can't say, well, he's not paying me enough. You've agreed, you work. And so these things apply across all positions where someone is an authority over you. And it also means that you, when you have authority over another as parent, or if you are a magistrate, or if you are a boss, you cannot impose upon others so that they have to have a crisis of conscience. But you must give to them only those commands within your sphere of authority. That's right. You masters, this is Ephesians 6, 9. You masters do the same things to them, giving up, threatening knowing that your own master also is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So if you're a boss or you're a parent or you're a pastor and elder in the church, you may not uh, treat others harshly because they are bound to obey you. Quite the contrary, you are to be the one who is gentle and fair and good and kind to them. This is how the system is set up by the Lord to keep order and to provide for everyone in their place. I'll give you another application of this principle too, and you're going to say, wow, this sounds really far afield, but it's relevant because it's about submission to authority, and that is how you interact on uh, the baseball diamond or the softball field or the gymnasium. I cannot tell you how much disrepute I've seen brought upon Christ and his church in these so-called Christian leagues where two Christian teams from two different Christian churches get together, and they sit there and they harass and go after the referees and the umpires, call them names, get in, the, get in their face about stuff. Look, if that person is on the field and he is the agreed-upon authority on the field, you don't sit there and hassle the referee and the umpire endlessly and then have a big prayer time after the game to show how committed to Christ you are. Spoken like a man who never was good enough I've... to play sports. <laughs> 
I never, never understand the referees. The, never understand the difference between you know good old being part of the game, drawing back and forth, and it's anyway. not just it's not just uh, part of the game. I mean, there's there's a certain level of that it is, but then there's just blatant disrespect for those who are uh, supposed to be the authority on the field. Part of what's happening here is that God has said that I am the one who has created all things. And in my providence, I have placed you in your present station at this present time in life. And therefore, to disobey authority is to question God's wisdom and to question his right to rule over you. So what we are obliged to do is to obey those who are in some ways representing some portion of God's authority in our lives, whether in the workplace, in the state, and especially from this commandment in the family. Hey, what would things look like if we actually followed through on this? I, we know the world around us is not going to obey. What if Christians were the ones who honored the authority that was rightfully placed in the hands of people over them? It would be remarkable because rather than having this group called the Christian right that others have great animosity towards, you would instead have people who would say, it's remarkable that these people are so caring and so loving that they are willing to show us respect when they disagree. And nonetheless, what's most impressive is that they show respect to those who are not able to necessarily enforce their will on them. And yet, because of their position, these believers show respect and they are able to love and obey. And maybe we can do the same and live in a more peaceable manner. You know, really, it's a how you treat your earthly authorities is a reflection of how you really feel toward your heavenly Father the one whom you answer to at the end, because all of these commandments are the practical application of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and soul. You know, if you hate and you mistreat all of your authorities, or you neglect and you mistreat those who you need to provide for and those over whom you are in authority, then you're just showing the hatred and disrespect and mistreatment of the Lord who made you and who cares for you in your own heart. Well, there are so many different ramifications and applications of this commandment, but the, the summary of it is that uh, we are uh, duty-bound by God to show proper reverence, respect, submission, and so forth to all who he has placed in authority legitimately over us. It's a very important principle, and as Christians, we need to honor the Lord by keeping his commandments in the fullness of their application. Before we uh, sign off tonight on Sinners and Saints, we want to remind you to check us out on the internet at sinnersaint.org, sinnersaint.org. And uh, go ahead and check on the PayPal account there. If you've been listening to this program, you've been blessed and benefited by it, we want to remind you that this is a listener-supported broadcast. We want to thank you for the donations that you have given thus far. But if you are benefiting, you are profiting, and you haven't contributed to the ongoing discussion here on Sinners and Saints, we invite you to go ahead and click on the PayPal account there and give as you are able and been blessed by the Lord. We want to thank you for joining us on Sinners and Saints. If you have any more questions, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.
All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In other words, what Paul is saying is that if you want to be wise unto salvation and learn to live for God's glory, you need the word of God. And that's why I'm inviting you to come worship with us at All Saints Reformed Church. Hi, my name is Pastor John Sautel. I'm pastor of All Saints Reformed Church out in Walnut, California. We can't promise you you'll be entertained with high-energy music or thrilling performances or exciting worship or trendy programs, but we will promise you that you'll get the Bible. Because in our worship, we read the Bible, we sing the Bible, we pray the Bible, and we preach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. If you want to come to know God through his word and to grow in his grace and knowledge, then we invite you to worship with us at All Saints Reformed Church. For more information, call us at 909-319-3479. That's 909-319-3479. Or check us out on the web at allsaintsreformed.org.